But have you ever seen somebody walking down the street and you look at them and think, oh, they are somebody. <laughs> By what they wear, they are somebody. I'm t- I, there's, there's a sense of, you know who you are, or you want me to know who you think you are. or you know, you, If you're putting on a front, I don't know for sure, but you look good. You look like you're put together. What they're wearing has got them looking good. And I've told you before that I think I get different treatment based on how I'm dressed when I go into certain shops and things like that. When I wear a suit, boy, I look good, you know. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I look good. I, I, I do look good. Um, but, you know, when I got, when I got all, my, all my hairs in the right places and, I, and I'm, I'm in my nice suit, I do get, a, I've noticed at least a little bit in some places, I get a little better treatment. And when I walk in with my T-shirt on and my jeans with holes in them, yeah, it's got some, some stupid say, saying on it. Yeah, something smart aleck on my T-shirt, which is what I usually have on my T-shirts. I get better treatment by, based on how I'm dressed. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, talking about a new man, a new person, this is how the new man is dressed and we've gotten different treatment based on how we're dressed because those that are chosen of God, holy and beloved, there in verse 12, we're putting on certain things because of whose we are. God has treated us differently here. And I want you to look, look in your Bibles there really quickly in 12 through 17 there and notice that these, these things that it says we are doing are not just words like clothe, right? Clothe yourselves with this. Bear with each other. Forgive. Put. There's put in there. Put on these things. There's let. There's thankfulness all throughout this stuff. All of these things are verbs. All of these things are doing things. You and I are doing these things every day as people of Christ. And what we're called to do is what? You remember what I said last week or vaguely what I said last week maybe about... What I am called to do is only because of what? Of who I am and based on whose I am and also based on what? What, what is coming out of me is only coming out of me because of what? What's, yeah, what's being put in me? What's being poured into me? What the Spirit is producing in me? That's the only reason it's coming out of me because it's not going to come out of me just because of I'm a good man or a good person. It's coming out of me because I have been, in verse 12, chosen of God, holy and beloved, and therefore because I am that, I'm putting on this, which is what comes out of me if this is who I am. And there's, there's a couple of things that we're going to go through here today really briefly about some maybe more practical application of the new man. Uh, I don't know how practical it will be for you. I hope it kind of touches where you are. It's, uh, you know, we're all in different spots in the world and in our lives, so you probably have got some really good ideas on practical application of the new man, too. And I would love to have you share those with each other and even share those with me. When we go through this this morning, if, if on the way out you're thinking, well, he, what about this? Let me know what that this was. What are you thinking when I'm telling you this is the practical apl- application of the new person here? And what I love about it is 16 and 17 here. Read those with me just one more time here because a lot of times this verse, 16 especially, gets used to 
defend against certain doctrinal positions like uh, instruments and things like that. But I think we do it a disservice when we pull it out and just use it for a proof text on something because what Paul is talking about here is, is not an argument against instrumental music. I think he's giving us a practical application of what the new man, new person does. Look at 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in order to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. How does the word need to dwell in us, people? Richly. Richly. <laughs> Good. It's right there, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Because i got so few answers there. How does the word need to dwell within us? Well, that was a little better, but that was still pretty bad. How does the word need to dwell within us? There you go. Thank you, Deja. <laughs> Deja's mad now, I think. She's yelling. <laughs> richly. Richly dwell within us. I want, I want, how, do you, how does the Bible describe the word of God? I'm going to tell you one. It describes it like a sharp sword, right? In Hebrews 4.12. Sharp sword. Tell me, give me some other definitions of God's word. How it's, well, not definition, but descriptions of God's word. Powerful, okay. And if you got the, the scripture that you're thinking of too, backing it up, let me know. But it's powerful. What else? Sharp sword, loving, okay. Truth, patient. Okay. Okay. It's love. <laughs> okay. I wrote a couple down. Did you say something, Kurt? Instruction. Okay. Definitely instruction. I wrote a couple down here. Beside the sharp sword one that came to my mind when I'm thinking about the describing the word of God. Here's another one for you. It's called treasure. In Psalms 119, 162. Treasure. It's called a lamp or a light, again, in 119. Now, thinking about these things in context of letting the word of Christ ritually dwell within you, you've got a sharp sword that cuts bone and marrow. It's, it's double-sided here. You've got a treasure. You've got light and a lamp. It's also described as fire and hammer, too, in Jeremiah. So there's some... There's some oomph to this as well. There's, there's beauty, there's, there's light, and then there's fire and hammer too, which is not necessarily a bad thing. There's a seed. It's described like a seed. The word is described like a seed in Luke. Bread and food. Bread and food. And in James. You guys remember what James says? The man looks into a mirror. You could look at this as a mirror. I'm looking at this and it's reflecting back at me what I should be. And it also gives me an accurate, a more accurate picture of me. When I look at this, I can see how Robert stacks up or doesn't. Where I need to change. It gives me all of these clues here. And verse 17, 16, 16 and 17 there are clues on how to do this. And what I like about 16 is it's, it's not telling me, look, you need to memorize more Scripture. It's not talking about memorizing more Scripture. It's not talking about you need to sit down and have your Bible time and this, 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 this. Or it's not, it's not even arguing, like I said, it's not arguing, okay, Robert, don't use instruments in your worship here. He's saying 
you want to have Christ dwell within you? You want to be this new man? Let Christ richly, the word of Christ, richly dwell within you. And how do we do that? By doing what we're doing this morning. By sitting here together and, and letting this, this word richly dwell within us, we are teaching one another. We are singing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We are being thankful together. I think just this, like Sunday mornings or like yesterday at the bowling alley where Christians get together in public and we have fun together. Now, we're, we're not singing songs there, although... Uh, Somebody was singing a song there, trying to get people to sing a song there. Didn't, didn't quite go over well with the, with the youngest in our group. But, but we're still a group of Christians out there in the world, bowling, and showing the world what a bunch of Christians look like having fun in the world. And talking to people. It's, it's, it, this verse 16 is really just, you get together... Let this, if I'm letting the word of Christ richly dwell within me, then it's, I'm teaching and admonishing one another. You're teaching and admonishing me. I'm singing. You're singing. We're singing together. We're doing this now. We do this Wednesdays. We do this Wednesday nights. We do this Sunday night tonight with a bunch of other brothers and sisters. We're going to do this tonight. You want to see the word of Christ richly dwell in a whole bunch more Christians? Go to Lakeview tonight and have that, that fellowship together, singing and admonishing one another with psalms and spiritual songs, and being thankful. That's, that's what a new man, a new woman is. That's what we do. And why do we do that again? Because the Word dwells richly in us. And because the Word dwells richly in us, I'm going to mess that word up today, dwells. I can already feel it coming, I almost did it. Because it dwells richly in us, what comes out of us? These things, right? These things come out of us because it's in us. It's an outflow of what has been already poured into us. And what is continually being poured into us. And that's why it comes out. And verse 17 goes right on and he says, Okay, so this is part of the new man. You let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And then whatever you do in word or deed... Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even down to the very mundane things of life. You do it to the glory of God. Amen. And I think it was, was it you this morning, Carl, who talked about in Matthew 5 where he talks about the showing your, letting your good works shine before men so that they may see your good works and may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. That, that's, that's, that, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. If you're cleaning toilets for a living, do it. In the name of the Lord. If you're a CEO of a company, do it in the name of the Lord. Because ultimately, when we get down to that, this, this other section, we're going to find out that it's all for the Lord. Period. This is not for me. It's not for the guy above me. It's for him. And a lot of times I've fallen into the trap of, uh, of secular time and religious time. Like Sunday mornings. It's not a secular morning, right? This is a spiritual morning. But what about Monday morning? Spiritual morning, yeah. It's the same. It should be the same. There's, there's no differentiation between secular and, and spiritual here. Paul is saying, if you're a new man, then it's all spiritual. It's all the same thing all the time. So don't fall into the trap of saying, okay, well, this is my secular time here, and this is my spiritual time here, because it all reflects on the new man. All the time we spend, whether it's TV time or 
or this time. It's all for the glory of God. In fact, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says a very similar thing. 10 verse 31, very, very similar to what he just said in Colossians about whatever you do in word or deed. 10.31, he breaks it down into even food and says, whatever then you eat or drink, and then whatever you do, who do we do it to or the glory of? All to the glory of God. Even the small things, whatever you eat or drink. What, it comes down to even eating this meat or that they, that they have problems with. Whatever you're doing, it's for the glory of God, period. It's to bring God glory because of what has been poured into you you now flow out from there. It's not a checklist train of thought where we you know, have this compartmentalized life of secular and spiritual. It's a all or nothing, all together. Not just a Sunday relationship, it's an everyday relationship. 24-7, exactly. So the, the part of this, this aspect here in 16 and 17, after he's saying here, let this word of Christ richly dwell within you, and whatever you're doing in word or deed, notice in 15, 16, and 17, there's, there's a, a common thing that he says to be. Can somebody tell me in 15, 16, and 17, do you see a common thing, thing that he says to be in those three verses? Thankful. Thankful. Be thankful. Verse 15. You're called in one body and be thankful. Verse 16. Singing with thankfulness. Verse 17. Do whatever you do in word or need. You're doing it to God and give thanks. There's thankful over and over and over again in 15, 16, and 17, which must be important in some way, shape, or form, right? Amen. What do you think that means? Tell me what you think that means. Why does he say over and over again there, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful? Yeah. Just waking up in the morning. Okay. There's a there's a, a thankfulness that flows out of you because you know Yeah. And and you know that everything comes from him, right? So the first breath you take, well, you're already taking breaths, but the first breath you, you realize you're taking in the morning after you get up, you know that's coming from him. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's thankfulness from the very beginning of your morning. Because you know that the day is coming from Him. Everything comes from Him. What else, ladies and gentlemen? What else do you see, Deja? Maybe to remind us not to take things for granted. Yeah, don't take things for granted. Yes, that's a very good one too. Don't take things for granted. Yes. <laughs> Everything's a blessing. Yes. Everything's a blessing. Don't, don't take things for granted. God gives us all things, our first breath in the morning. Be like Jesus. We like, be like Jesus or be like Jesus? Is that what you said? Be like, be like Jesus. Okay, be like Jesus, yes. All of this thankfulness, it's, it's just another outflow of what has been poured into us, right? We realize who we come from. We, lose, we realize what we've been forgiven of. We realize where we're going. So thankfulness is another outflow, a natural outflow, it should be. Of a man and a woman who understand whose they are. I am doing verses 16 and 17. Then that thankfulness is going to be flowing outside of me. It's going to be natural. 
Because I realize what I've been called to in that body. I realize this peace that I have. I realize that, that this, this is all dwelling in me and it is in you. And we are all together here singing to one another, admonishing one another, loving each other. And whatever we're doing, we're doing for His glory, which should exude thankfulness from us. Period. Which leads you to 18, through the end of that chapter really, with a couple of the things where he starts talking about families in 18. So it, this newness extends to even the home, of course, because we've already said that there's no compartmentalization here. It's, it's all over, right? So 18, he says, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Man, that's a lot of good stuff. And this is where rubber meets the road, right? In the home, behind closed doors where we don't get to always see each other. Where you can yell at your wife, maybe if you want to, and then apologize later. Or you can get mad at your husband and hit him over the head with a frying pan and then apologize later. However you handle disputes at your home, I won't judge. I don't know if you want to hit each other. But he's saying even, even, even behind closed doors, your, your wives and husbands, you need to treat each other well. And, and a lot of people, at least I, I know I've made fun of verse 18 before to my wife, you know, be subject to me when she's getting lippy. Be subject, wife. But it's, it's, not, a, it's not a verse to beat over the head, right? <laughs> no, it's not a good idea. No. It's a bad idea all the way around. Yes, I realize that. You're playing with fire when you do that to wives. I get it. I get it. Learned it the hard way. But uh, I get it. But if I, if I really realize that I am also subject to Christ, and she's subject to Christ, and in fact we're supposed to be subject to each other and to Christ, then this, this verse is not crazy verse. It's not telling the wives, hey, you, you bow down to your husband. It's saying... Treat him with the respect and honor that he deserves because he needs to treat you with the same respect and honor that you deserve as a child, a chosen one of God. You both need to treat each other with this. You both are subject to Christ to begin with, so you have no reason to lord it over each other in any way, shape, or form. The verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be embittered or do not be harsh with them. You know, I, I think that's a good verse for husbands because we could always use that advice have a tendency to sometimes be harsh with, with wives, children. Who doesn't? I mean, I had trouble growing up. I'm sure you had trouble growing up. And, and it just seems to be getting kind of worse and worse. And kids nowadays have more to, more to wrestle with than I had. And I had more to wrestle with than my parents had. It's, man, it's going to be tough for kids. It's always tough for kids. But when kids are doing what verses 15, 16, and 17, there's going to be some better things happening in that, in that family. Plus 17 and 16 and 15, if the husband and the wife are doing that to each other, then the kids are going to be in a more healthy, loving environment that has this outflow of what's being poured into the parents onto the kids. Which is why in 21, you know, he's reminding the fathers, don't, don't exasperate these kids. Don't exasperate them. You don't want them to lose heart. Why? A new family. A newness extends to the family. You probably got a lot of good advice in how to let newness live in your life in the family. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts or comments on that section 
Not right now. But uh, as you're leaving, if you've got something here that you've, you've noticed in your life as a new person in Christ or as you've struggled with something, I'd love to hear that. And maybe share that with even, even other people around here, younger families. Get some good mentoring going on from older to younger about treating wives or wives treating husbands or kids. Get some good family, like verse 16. Let's teach and admonish one another in this area too. Let's lean on each other for help in the family. But then you go on from family and you go down to verse 22, to the end of that chapter. And it says, slaves in all things... Obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does, no, does wrong will receive the consequence of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. And I, I know that this, when, I, when we think of slaves in, in American terms, we get a different, really different picture than what he's most likely talking about here in terms of slaves. But let's, let's boil it down to just how do we work in this world? Even just a work situation. How do you treat your boss? And if you're the boss, how do you treat your people? Who are we really working for? We're really working for, like he says here, the Lord, rather than men, no matter what we're doing. I think I told you before that when I shared with my kids about a job that I had where I did clean toilets, that they laughed at me and said they would never do that. <laughs> never clean. They'll never clean toilets for money. I, yeah, I never say never, yeah. At the moment, though, when they laughed at me, I was a little irritated, you know. I, I raised you with that toilet money. <laughs> you know, it's it's money. It's a job. It, it's somebody's got to clean the toilet. It was my turn to clean the toilet. I cleaned the toilet. I'm not above cleaning toilets. I don't like it, but I'll, I'll do it. You know, and and I did it. I didn't actually. I, I don't think I had it in my mind at the time when I was cleaning it. Boy, I'm, I'm I love cleaning toilets for the Lord. But. Ultimately, that's who I was pleasing at that point. By doing what I'm supposed to do and not, not just throwing my hands up and saying, you know, I'm better than toilet cleaning. You get somebody else to do this. But me going and doing it and just doing what I need to do as a human being that is following the orders of my boss, I'm, I'm showing him what a man who's subject to Christ looks like who cleans the toilet. When I picked up trash for uh, the apartments... It, that wasn't that wasn't a great job either, but I did it because I had to have some money raise my kids and me. But I also did it because I was a Christian. Well, I turned in the hundred dollar bill I found that nobody knew I found, and when I turned it into the office, they gave me that look like, "Yeah, you. Why did you turn that in? Nobody knew I picked it up." I could have had $100. I didn't even get it. I was, I was really hoping nobody came in to, cl to claim it, but I didn't, I didn't end up getting it. But why did I turn that in? Because I'm such a good person? No, because the old Robert would have kept that $100 bills and, and uh, kept his mouth shut, and nobody would have ever been the wiser. I'd have had a good dinner that night. But no, because 
Jesus is my Lord, I turned in that $100 bill. Because somebody else, that's not mine, that's somebody else's. That natural outflow of what's been poured into me was the reason I turned that in. You've probably done the same thing. You've probably gone through, through checkout lines and somebody didn't give you the right change or gave you more than the right change. And instead of just taking it and moving on, you said, you gave me too much. Or they didn't charge you for something. They've done that to, to people I know over and over again. They didn't charge you for something. What do you do? Do you just run off and say, oh, suckers? <laughs> no, you just you go back and you pay, right? I've done that too. And why do we do that? Because it's the right thing to do. It's, it's, it's the Christ-like thing to do. If Jesus went through the line and he didn't get charged, what would he do? He'd hightail it, grab that, that, that the thing, move his sandals as fast as he could. No. He'd turn around and he'd pay. He'd turn in that $100 bill. He'd clean those toilets. He'd do whatever he's supposed to be doing because he is who he is. We're the same thing. And what I like about that is, is he gets down into whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord right there in verse 17, right? And then he goes to some very mundane, normal things that human beings do. He's not saying, you have got to really ramp up the spiritual acts for, for God. You've got to be this soul winning person who's going out there and dragging a whole bunch of people in here and, and baptizing them over and over again. You've got to be this this supernatural spiritual person. What is he saying? He's saying, you've got to be a Christ-like spirit person in your everyday life. In just your normal, mundane, nine-to-five life. You be like Christ. And if you're going to be like Christ in your nine-to-five job, then you're doing what he's asking you to do. You are being that spiritual person. You are doing these things that he's asking you to do. When you do the very mundane things, when you go to work and you act like Christ, you're doing what he's calling you to do. Because the Lord is the one who watches all. Right there in verse 25, watches all. He's going to pay back the, the consequences for what the wrong that's done. And he does this all without partiality. He doesn't judge the face. He's not, he doesn't care where you came from. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care what social status you are. He just looks at you as a Christ-like child, or you're lost. We've got basically two categories here. Lost or with him. He's not a respecter of person. And that new man equals that new life. And these are, these are practical things that you and I do every single day. We're doing verse 16 kind of right now. We're going to be doing verse 17 for the rest of our lives. Those that are married, those that have children, those that have a job. Who doesn't have a job? Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Even for retired people, right? You don't have a job, so the whatever you do covers the, the rest of it. I mean, it kind of covers everything here. The new man, the new person, this is who you are. You let the word of Christ richly dwell within you because he dwells in you. To look more like him, you do these things. So let's do that together. Let's have the word of Christ richly dwell within us here with all teaching and admonishing. Teach and admonish one another today. Teach and admonish one another this week. Sing to each other. Pray for each other. And whatever we do in word or deed, we're going to do it all in 
the name of the Lord. Do that this week as you pronounce and as you show the new man, the new woman, that is having the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit produced in you so that it flows out of you. And this is what you look like. Do that this week. Be that new man. Be that new woman in Christ and let Christ dwell in you looking more like him each day to everyone you meet and everyone you come in contact with. Do that this week as we stand and as we sing.